You're listening to Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia, highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host, Provincial Field Crop Specialist, Caitlin Condon. Cover cropping has been a really popular topic in recent years, and one of the biggest hurdles is figuring out where it fits in your rotation. Soybeans are especially challenging in that regard, often being harvested late in the season when there's not a lot of time for cover crop establishment. Heather Darby from the University of Vermont Extension joins me today for a conversation on where the producers she works with have found opportunities for cover cropping in the soybean year and how to make the most out of seasonal constraints. Welcome, Heather. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Caitlin. Excited to join you. Yeah, I think it's going to be a a fun topic. Definitely one that's getting a lot of conversation these days. Um, But before we get too far into that, could you just give me a little bit of an introduction as to um, who you are and what you do? So I'm Heather Darby, as already introduced, and I am um, a professor here at the University of Vermont. I work um, in the extension kind of side of the university, and um, the University of Vermont Extension is really geared towards bringing research-based information out to farmers here in Vermont. And um, I've been with UVM in that capacity as an agronomist and soil specialist almost 20 years. So putting in quite a bit of good time here in Vermont. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you guys have some great resources. I know I refer to to some of the stuff coming out of UVM. So um, great. thank you. yeah, lo- lots of good stuff there. It's definitely been fun to watch um, things evolve over time now that I've been here a while. And uh, certainly this topic of cover cropping continues to grow and the interest in the farming community. And Today we're going to talk about soybeans, which is kind of uh, feels like we're at the beginning of mm-hmm. really thinking about how are we going to cover crop in soybeans. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's um, you know some crops like whether it's wheat or early vegetables or something like that where it's there's a really clear and easy place to fit cover crops, and I think that soybeans pose a little bit more of a challenge just with the timing. So for us in Nova Scotia, soybean harvest is typically taking place anywhere from mid-September to the end of October, a little later some years, (laughs) depending on the the weather. Um, But yeah, but by that point, towards the end of that period, there's really not, um, not enough time to establish a good cover crop after the the soybeans have been harvested. So I think that's where um, some people struggle with, um, you know, I want to integrate cover crops into my system, but how do I do it in the soybean year? So we would have um, some people putting in winter wheat after soybean harvest, but they'd be choosing shorter season varieties to kind of plan for that and account for that timing. But in a situation where winter wheat isn't going in, what are some opportunities for establishing a cover crop after soybean harvest? Yeah, so I mean, same, very similar challenges here. And I, I think similar to where you folks are, I mean, the the acreage of soybean production is just 
um, skyrocketing here mm. in Vermont. And I, you folks have seen that similar trend, yeah. right? You, you have yeah, been a traditional sure. soybean growing area. No, no, it's right. definitely okay. in the past, like, well, definitely in the past 20 years, it's, it's yeah. really gone from nothing to, uh, you know, being quite a regular part of, of yeah. people's rotations. Yeah. And so very similar here. And one of the things I was kind of wondering is what maturity uh, groupings are grown up mm. in the Maritimes? Are you, yes. you said early, yeah. so I imagine you folks are very similar to us in that uh, most of our farmers like to try to just the same with corn, right? They, they mm -hmm. want to really push that longer season variety because <laughs> There's often a perception, sometimes true, sometimes not, that those longer season varieties are going to produce more yield. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's certainly, you know, definitely not the case, at least for us, because a lot of the times you you could get stuck <laughs> with those later varieties because, Absolutely. you know, even though the climate may be getting a little bit longer, we still do have those uh, frosts and things mm -hmm. that come in or can come in pretty early or just cooling, cooling temperatures, um, even if we don't get a frost later in the season, so things don't dry down as well. So yeah, yeah I, I think we're probably very similar. Um, like the shorter end would be, you know, 22 to 2500. Okay. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, so then the higher end would be up around like 2850. Yeah, so very, very similar to here. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, our challenges are the same. And we, I would say, we probably are even harvesting a little later. I would say we're closer to, you know, on average, mid-October mm -hmm. into November. Yeah. It might be yeah. just a tad bit later. And most of our farmers... You know, unless it's been uh, an early harvest year, they're not going in and planting cover crops at all yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And wheat for us, you know, usually really by the first part of October, it's it's generally uh, too late for wheat, depending on the year. And I would say if we do have farmers planting cover crops after soybean harvest, it's usually always winter winter rye. Yeah, because that yeah, can kind of get going later. Yeah, for sure. We would usually say around mid-October. By mid-October yeah. is kind of our cutoff date for, for winter wheat, depending on where you are in the province, but that would be yeah. the later, the later yeah. end of it. Um, timing and then, you know, oftentimes the ground's starting to get wet or maybe even frozen. So I would say people generally have just not done mm -hmm. cover cropping at all after soybean. You know, so more people are really interested in possibly planning into the into the soybeans. Yeah, definitely. And we have um, we have seen that here a little bit, uh -huh. um, you know, just broadcasting into the soybeans uh, just before leaf drop. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems to me that you have to be really precise with the timing on that, just yeah. both from the leaf drop perspective making sure that you you get in there before that happens but then also that harvest doesn't get pushed too late because I've seen yeah. uh I've seen a good amount of cover crop growth coming up underneath the soybeans that just comes up yeah. the combine and that's no more fun for anyone <laughs> so one of the strategies I feel like this is 
I mean, I don't know if I give away the whole the whole conversation now and we just like yeah. close, close it down. <laughs> but, okay, so we Call have- Call it a day. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll tell you what I think and then I don't want to talk about anything else. But um, yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of interseeding in mm -hmm. soybeans. And of course, for us, we, we've done broadcasting, especially for folks that are planting narrow row beans or mm -hmm. beans, it becomes even- Kind of more i would say more difficult to get out there and do things yeah. um because you know unless you're kind of leaving paths or drive rows you're running you're running things down yeah so in my experience with seeding or even inner seeding even a bit prior or just as leaves are dropping if they are not variety types that um don't like um vine i don't mm -hmm. know if you've noticed this with soybeans sometimes you get sometimes i feel like it depends on the weather but you get that kind of vining almost even yeah. though they're not you know it's not like growing dry beans or something like that <laughs> but you go out there and so what happens is those kind of vines start you know wrapping around something mm -hmm. and then you know when we've used interseeders they've actually like will wrap around the interseeder and then you're oh. just you're dragging down plants with you. So yeah, not good. You know, in a in a year where you have a lot of canopy and a lot of leaf growth, you know, it's just it's nearly impossible to go out before leaf drop. And then if you're out there, you know, before canopy closure, which is kind of when people try to intercede corn, mm -hmm. like we get nothing. I mean, we get, even if the cover crop comes up a little bit, it's so much shade and so dense that the cover crop just doesn't survive. Well, yeah, and, compared to corn, yeah. like the light penetration right? is like nothing. Nothing. You know, the risk of, well, for, you know, something not catching and then plus, you know, damage that you might do to the soybeans and disease mm -hmm. spread, right? Mm -hmm. If it's a wet, year and you have you know a high disease pressure and you're kind of running through your fields to be spreading disease all over the place so yeah not a good situation <laughs> yeah i feel like i we've <clears throat> gone away from that you know we have we do have producers that cultivate beans still mm -hmm. you know they might be organic but we still have conventional producers also that like to cultivate Mm -hmm. um and so they're growing on 30 inch rows you know so there's sometimes a little more success with interseeding but still mm -hmm. you know doesn't really doesn't seem worth it what i have really moved to is a i would say a, a medium maturing bean and that's mm -hmm. so for folks in your area if they you know if you're conducting variety trials just really understanding what, you know, where you're going to get that maximum yield most regularly. Yeah. And for us, it's in a maturity group, 1.4, mm -hmm. 1.5. Of course, it depends on the variety. But then I have been waiting until the last, like, sort of best date. Mm -hmm. to seed wheat or winter rye and going out then. And usually right. by that time in most 
in most years, the leaves are off. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, then you're not, you know, you're not catching things. Depending on the year, you could get a decent amount of growth, but yeah. usually, you know, if it's rye or wheat, it's, you know, yep. maybe that much. And if you're, you know, if you're interseeding and you actually have an interseeder, the place where it's drilling is not that close to the rows, right? So it, it doesn't seem to have a big impact on harvest. So, so with the interseeding, that's obviously something that would have to be done with a wider row spacing. Right. That is true. Yes. Yeah. And if you are going to go down trying that route, um, what kind of equipment options would, yeah. would you have? Right. <laughs> that's a good point. Right. So if you're really opposed to 30 inch row beans, you know, I don't know what what the preference is, where you are. We're kind of all over the board. We've got yeah. a little bit of everything, I would say, but not, there's not a, a lot on wide rows, like yeah. the intros. Yeah. So with, with the interseeder that we have, we have two different types. We mm -hmm. have one of the like Penn State interseeders. There's um, also an interseeder that we made ourselves and a lot, a lot of people are doing that. Soybeans aren't mm -hmm. that tall. So, you know, it's different than trying to interseed corn a little yeah. bit. Um, so you can kind of make your, make your own with a, with a grain drill easy enough, mm -hmm. but we have a couple of, you know, two that we've purchased and one that we've made, you know, and we, ha we have also some that will go on nine inch. Uh, nine inch rows which takes wow. some patience there yeah um but but yeah in your case it would seem like broadcasting would be the better yeah better option so. there mm -hmm. yeah not as not as uniform but uh you know yeah. you have to choose between a little less uniformity and not having to buy <laughs> a new piece yeah. of equipment yeah 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 absolutely yeah. And I, you know, I think too that um, broadcasting, you know, again, it's really moisture, always seems to be moisture dependent on how yeah. much you get that germinates. So that's clearly something to, to think about. But, um, you know, in the fall time, we've always found that broadcast applications actually provide better cover because you know, if you don't really have enough time for the grain to tiller, you just have these rows with single plants, but you still have a lot of bare ground in between, in between yeah. even if it's a grain drill. Yeah. Um, and so we've always found that with later cover cropping, you know, broadcasting, and of course you can't in this case, but, um, and, and just incorporating lightly mm -hmm. works even better from a soil erosion and cover perspective. Right. And I mean, it's quick. It, yeah. Like even if you, if you did get beans off a little on yeah. the earlier side and were able to get in there and you could broadcast something and kind of tickle yeah. it in, then that's, that's a really fast yeah. way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I, in really in some ways, potentially the difference between getting a cover crop and not 
Because if you're waiting to use a grain drill at that time of the year and you have hundreds of acres to do, you know, by the time you get going and get done, unless you're super committed you know, <laughs> yeah. behind the <laughs> behind the combine. But I have, you know, I've had a few people try out, you know, trying to do something behind the combine, different broadcasters and carts that they've tried to you know, put behind combines and, oh, interesting. and you know, broadcast um, seed, but, you know, it's just kind of another thing in the middle yeah. of. It'd be great for an efficiency, from an efficiency yeah. standpoint, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, practicality might yeah. be a little trickier. You know, one way or the other, you're getting slowed down. But, yeah, yeah, for sure. You were saying, kind of hitting that latest seeding date for winter wheat and going in at that point pre-harvest yeah. so do you have any issues with the leaves having dropped at that time or are they kind of dried up enough that that you're still getting good seed to soil contact you know so this this year I felt like we had a, a cool um summer here and things definitely didn't dry down as fast it was also wetter mm -hmm. and I you know my slightly longer season variety I never even was able to do right. that. Um, in the shorter season variety, the first time I could get in with just even partial leaf drop was, I think it was like the first week of October. Okay. And in the prior year, it was third week of September, which was perfect. Right. That's yeah. when we would want to go out and try to seed our winter grain. And actually, you know, it's kind of late, but depending on when those leaves drop, if it's earlier in September even, or even start to drop, you can also put in some of the other species, mm -hmm. you know, like a tillage radish or something like that. But yeah, so I think it depends on the year. You know, sometimes yeah, sometimes it is more like a, a mat <laughs> of <laughs> leaves and more yeah. difficult, especially if you're just broadcasting to get you know, seed to soil contact. We had quite a long fall this year, um, surprisingly yeah. long. No, we did too. I don't even remember when we got our first frost, but oh, it was, yeah, it was it late. Was late. Yeah. So, but I mean, it would be great if we had um, a magic ball that we could kind of yeah. foretell exactly. that. Because if we yeah, knew and, that we weren't going to get frost till late and we could throw something in and knew we'd get decent growth yeah. on it, that'd be awesome. But we just yeah. don't have those capabilities. I know. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I keep, you know, kind of pushing at least our farmers here to really look at, you know, the variety results and find mm -hmm. a variety that is middle of the road so that yeah. they're sort of hedging that risk and really what's the worst thing they they get it off a month early they still get really great yields and they can get their cover crop in and yeah. other things don't. seems like a, a win 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 right so <laughs> you know even um with all the work we've done on interceding and trying to you know just not think about the end of the season as much and mm -hmm. hoping that we can get in there and intercede and get more diversity and more success with cover cropping. Mm -hmm. It still feels like the very best investment is getting the crop off early and putting the cover crop in the ground after, Yeah, you know, 
Yeah, for so, sure. You're not not risking pushing everything late and risking yeah. your crop quality going down and yeah. and not being exactly. able to get that cover crop window in and everything. So yeah. Now, do you have cost share programs for cover cropping, or is so it all on the farm? We have. We have um, some programs going on right now. So one is um, a federal program called um, the On-Farm Climate Action Fund. And that one has been really great for, they'll cover um, like up to a certain amount of the cover crop seed and um, they're covering some equipment. And so that's been a really nice opportunity for people who, especially people who are kind of on the fence and yeah. have been wanting to try it, but don't like it's it's a big investment really to, especially yeah. if you're looking at like getting a no-till drill, things like that. Um, so yeah. that's it's yeah. been a nice program for that, um, <clears throat> and we have the next round of uh, provincial federal funding coming out soon, and it sounds like there's going to be some more some more opportunities in there as well to kind of continue on this cover cropping train. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so in the, you know, where we are in the, in the U S and in Vermont, there's both state and federal Mm -hmm. cost share for cover cropping, which has been great, especially, you know, those farms that are really interested in cover cropping and wanting to sort of build soil health and protecting uh, from soil erosion, all those kind of benefits. But what comes along with that money is these guidelines. You know, you have to, if you don't plant by whatever the cutoff date is, you don't get your money. Um, And that's sort of, you know, in that way, it tries to get people to, you know, treat the cover crop like part of their actual cropping Mm -hmm. rotation versus yeah, if I can get it in an there, extra, you know, I will, which, you know, got to start somewhere. Um, For sure. But uh, I, I feel like there's been, with those cost share programs, you know, they, they pay well. Um, mm-hmm. They definitely cover more, generally, more than the cost of the seed. Um, and depending on what you're enrolled in, it can be, you know, quite a, a good chunk of money and worth investing the effort to mm-hmm. to produce the outcome that whoever's providing the funding really wants right and now part of what they're trying to cost share on is getting farmers to plant these crops that are shorter shorter maturity okay so that they can and they're trying to offset the risk right yeah. because yeah you know farmers make money off the crop not the cover crop I mean, yeah. real time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll pay off someday, but right. it's, hard, it's hard to look that far into, yes. into the future. Exactly. Um, when you were talking about the variety trials and and really paying attention to that and looking at um, maturity versus yields and all that, we the um, variety trials that are going on in the Maritimes, uh, they always put together a really nice graph showing just yes. that of like, you know, yield versus maturity. So it's a nice visual of being able to kind of pick that spot. That's the, the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the things like I've tried to do over time, and especially now that more people are interested in soybeans is, you know, looking at average 
uh, harvest time for that and how that matches up with when we'd want to get the cover crop in the ground. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like you mentioned, farmers, they may not be afraid of cover crops themselves, but they don't like the fact that soybeans hang on the ground, essentially, and yeah. they're, you know, harvesting the cover crop and the crop. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, people are, I mean, they won't even try it because of that. And I'm yeah. And that, uh, that brings up a couple of good points that I want to chat about a little bit. Um, one being, if you do want to try to get a cover crop in at the tail end of that soybean year, what characteristics other than maturity um, mm -hmm. would you look for that in a soybean variety that, that yeah. might kind of lend itself well to cover cropping? So what, you know, I sort of mentioned this um, farmers cultivating and, mm -hmm. you know, often that sort of hills up soil, mounds up soil around the beans, but also, yeah. um, you know, you end up having pods up higher, a little bit higher than where you would be planting your cover crop. So that can work mm -hmm. out. But that is one of the things that we look at is, you know, what's how high or low are the bean the sets? Pods. Yep. Or the pod set. And there is there is quite a difference depending on the variety. And I haven't actually related that back to yield. I don't, I don't know if there's <laughs> some like correlation. But um, yeah, that is something that we look at. And then, you know, how viney they mm -hmm. are or you know branch some of them have these like branching characteristics yeah that make them really bushy and <laughs> yeah right so yeah. like what kind of growth habit do they have generally mm -hmm. all those things i feel like we have turned a, a corner a little tiny bit a little bit <laughs> yeah. where you know we're starting to talk to farmers about how to change the way they grow the crops to mm -hmm. get better cover crops and without sacrificing yield. But where yeah. are the, where are those points where we could make even minor adjustments to be able to get a better cover crop? And mm -hmm. I bet, you know, 10 years ago, I would have never even suggested <laughs> that we did would've something been, like that been laughed out of the room yeah yes yes i wouldn't be here for 20 years <laughs> hopefully it'll there'll be a balance in there somewhere where you're not taking yeah. too much of a hit but you're still able to get the all the benefits from because there's so many benefits of yeah. being able to cover crops so exactly yeah. now i know you know we talked a little bit about disease you know usually with as late as most cover crops are going in with soybeans, not a major sort of contributing factor by that mm -hmm. point, especially what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that late, late in the yeah. season. But um, there is some growing evidence around, you know, the impact of rye termination the next mm -hmm. year and um, with more biomass, not, not less, and right. the impact that that has on white mold and it's actually a, a positive positive impact meaning that Ooh. people are finding that actually reduces white mold not oh, increases really? it and so you know the 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 research is ongoing but these kind of 
roll-in crimp systems where there's mm -hmm. a lot of biomass, although it seems like a practice that has been more widely promoted with organic, it's definitely a practice that many of our conventional farms have found to work quite nicely for them mm. in beans. And um, I think they also have more ability to manage the system because they can manage escape weeds. And even if they roll the rye down earlier than you would have to in an organic system, they can mm -hmm. go out and, you know, sort of spray with an herbicide if necessary. And so we've definitely yeah. had a lot of farmers um, kind of moving moving that direction. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Which, that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to get um, the cover crop in, not with grain corn necessarily, but silage, silage corn. corn. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, then have a nice stand of rye the next year if you're going into soybeans. And yeah. When rolling that down um, and planting green has become quite popular with soy. Yeah, we've, uh, there's, there's some people kind of dabbling in, in planting green and yeah. um, definitely some interest in it. I think it's a very interesting practice and, you know, the concept of being able to have those living roots all year round is, is really nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would have definitely been one of my concerns would have been whether that would increase disease pressure, but mm -hmm. um very, very exciting. It sounds yeah. like it's not. No, it doesn't seem to be. I think our biggest issue with those particular systems, so rye before soybeans or mm -hmm. you know, some other uh small grain cover crop is um is moisture. Yeah, in the spring. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, same with corn, but yeah. we've done more of our I would say more of our planning green work with soybeans. And plus it's, you know, they're bigger. They yeah. take more water to germinate. So we've had yeah. a lot of issues that way. Right. Well, um, I think before we wrap up, I just want to talk a little bit about cover crop species and yeah. um, what which ones you think would lend themselves well to, um, to soybeans. And yeah. yeah. Well, I think given the fact that it's, disease prone and it's a legume anyway it's already fixing nitrogen yeah. not, you know not as much as a clover crop or something but no i i i think the diverse mixtures are great but in our climate grass is pretty much what we have to work with at that time and then i think it depends what the farmers doing the next year and how and their kind of ability to manage the cover crop so we have so many farmers moving over to winter rye which you or winter wheat yeah which you yeah. mentioned mostly because it heads out later yeah and it doesn't get as tall yeah for sure that's you can get a lot of biomass off yeah. of uh, winter rye pretty early on yeah and that has caught a lot of people off guard for sure yeah right fair enough um, but cost seed availability it used to be cheaper to get rye that's mm -hmm. not necessarily the case anymore it used to be <laughs> easier to get it so yeah i think we're still 
you know, primar primarily looking at grasses. And we've been most successful with that too, based right. on the time. Yeah. yeah. Do you see any value? And if you could kind of get it in on the earlier part of that window, do you, would you see any value in um, like oats or something like that yeah. that are going to winter kill? Yeah, so we have done some studies in soybeans with annual rye grass, which might overwinter for you guys. Yeah, um, oats. <laughs> yeah, oats, uh, tillage radishes. You know, those yeah, kinds of things. And for us to get enough biomass to really make it work, like kind of worthwhile, mm -hmm. those crops for us have to be planted like early, like Labor Day basically yeah. early September. Yeah, the earlier um, the better. <laughs> yeah, so, and we've been able to do that with certain soybean, in certain soybean years. So I guess yeah. it depends if you pre-buy, pre-buy your cover crop seed. Yeah, true. <laughs> right, how much flexibility yeah. you have if you know it's gonna be early. Yeah. Um, and yes, we have seen uh, planting soybeans into winter killed cover crops has been really successful mm -hmm. for us but seeding them into soybeans has been less successful because of the timing yeah for sure yeah. i think you guys are seeing a lot of the same struggles and challenges as we yeah. are here so uh yeah sorry i didn't have <laughs> answers <laughs> no that's okay no it's it's good to know that like it is a, a developing area and um we'll certainly be following along to see what's yeah. happening down your way and uh hopefully we'll be able to work on that as well and kind of figure out if we can stretch yeah. the stretch the opportunities a little bit more in soybeans yes absolutely excellent well thank you so much um for joining me and and yeah. chatting about cover crops it's always fun to talk about cover crops uh, so hopefully we'll be able to do it again sometime all right well thanks caitlin i appreciate the invite thank you for listening to this episode of outstanding in the field stay tuned for a written summary coming up in the next edition of the croplinks newsletter which you can subscribe to by visiting our website subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes follow us on social media at ns perennia Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and Rachel Oxner and the marketing and communications team for production and design.